Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation Podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. The chambered nautilus is the only living descendant of a group of ocean creatures that thrived in the seas 500 million years ago, when the Earth's continents were still forming. Older than dinosaurs, these deep-sea dwellers are often referred to as the oldest living fossils. But after withstanding countless challenges, they are being sought after for their beauty and dwindling toward extinction. A young activist and several curious scientists traveled to Fiji recently on an expedition to learn more about this ancient animal and how to save it. Gianna Savoy traveled with them to capture some of the story of this ancient creature and that work being done to rescue it. I spoke with this filmmaker and founder of Ocean Media Institute, a nonprofit conservation organization based in Bozeman, Montana, to learn more about their adventure and her work as a science storyteller on behalf of the ocean. I'm Gianna Savoy. I am a, a science and natural history filmmaker, and I also am the executive director of the Ocean Media Institute. We're a nonprofit organization that works to expand the public's understanding and engagement in ocean science and conservation. So we work with a lot of other filmmakers and scientists and other organizations to uh, create media that that makes a difference. Um, but I kind of want to find a way to make science accessible to people. So it's not something that divides us. I feel like science has become so politicized and it's really unfortunate because there's no reason for that. It's, it's why this world turns, you know, mm -hmm. and it's something we should all be on the same page about. So I really um, want to try to break down some of the barriers that we have when it comes to talking about science and talking about conservation. And I think, it, you know, when it comes down to it, we all really do want the same things for, you know, ourselves and for our kids and we want a healthy planet. So um, just helping people understand what those connections are mm -hmm. is something um, I'm hoping to do. And I sometimes the best way to do that is do some great visuals. So we're trying to do that with LMI and, um, and hopefully get people to get involved and, and to kind of take a part in their own way. Tell me about this Nautilus project. Okay, so we um, we got a call. Actually, let yeah. me back up a second. Okay. Tell me about the Nautilus. Okay. <laughs> Let's start there. Because, because I was, you know, you had actually explained it to me, and I was like, wait, Nautilus? Isn't that the title of some magazine that I read? <laughs> right, but I didn't actually know it was a thing. And I know that sounds terrible, but, you know. No, it's not terrible. In, in fact, you know, I've been asking people, too, I'm like, do you know what a Nautilus is? And people are like, no, isn't that that exercise equipment? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they're like, you're getting there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the Nautilus is a cephalopod. It's a pretty cool creature. It lives super deep, like um, about over a thousand feet deep in the ocean. Um, a lot of Pacific Ocean species. And... Um, and they, they're, they're little, uh, mostly scavengers. So they're, they're down there with some other crazy critters and, and kind of doing their thing. And what else can I tell you about them? They're, they have the most beautiful shells, and that's kind of their problem. So um, people are, they, they've been around for 500 million years, and they're at risk of becoming extinct in the next 50 
and only because people are hunting them for their shells um, oh, as ornamental. Know. Yeah, they're not they're not fishing for um, meat or anything like that. Nobody's eating them. It's literally people want this beautiful shell on their mantle. Yeah. And where are they from? So they're um, all over, but mostly in the Pacific okay. Oceans, various parts of the Pacific. Um, they haven't been studied, honestly, that much. The scientists that we started working with, they're two of the scientists that are doing most of the work in the world on them right wow. now. Yeah. And what and what brought <laughs> that to their attention? Was it, you know, like is was there some sort of uh, issue that arose that made them start to pay attention and, and wonder where, you know, like how the Nautilus was affecting some ecosystem or how its absence was? Or did just somebody, you know, survey and go, oh, there's only like a few of them? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question, actually. I'm not sure how how, how they specifically got started. I know that the scientists, um, the main scientists we were working with in Savu um, Savu in Fiji, um, he he's he's a paleontologist so he was studying lots of old critters and yeah you know things that had been around a while and um and this was one of them that he that kind of hooked him just because there isn't a lot known about them and i think that was kind of alluring for for you know anyone in science they want to go after the things that they don't know much about so he made it his mission um his name is dr peter ward to to try to find out do the baseline stuff what's out there who's out there how are they different um and so he and a younger guy dr gregory ballard um got together and they've been kind of going around the pacific and and doing these baseline studies in different places so we went down with them in july to um to a different to a place they hadn't been before but they had suspicions that there were there were nautilus there because sometimes the shells do um, when they die, they do eventually <laughs> reach the, the beach. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's hunting them in Fiji that they know of, but they, they do die naturally and wash up. So they wanted to go out and see what was there and see maybe, you know, if they could, how many they could, could find. And, um, and they ended up actually discovering a new species. So oh, that was amazing. pretty exciting. Yeah. With you guys there? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was. It was, and it was really fun to be part of the process to see how they even study these guys. Because you know, it's not something you see when you're even if you're diving, because they're still too far deep. So they would go out and um, they would. They had two kinds of traps. Basically, they they built these traps, and um, one is a baited trap, and they put chicken in it because everyone loves chicken. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> definitely, Nautilus are no different. They love right. the chicken. That's actually that is a, a binding tie for all of biological reality. Love chicken. <laughs> um, so they they bait this thing with chicken. They send it down, you know, to four hundred meters or so, and uh, and then come back the next day and see if they've they've caught anything, uh, and they play haul the traps up. And then um, if they get something in the first day, we didn't get any. Um, the second day, we got one. <laughs> um, they'll take a tiny little little piece of its shell, it's a teeny tiny clipping, and they'll do a DNA. They can do some DNA work with that. Um, and then they release them again. They go down and they have this whole process where they have to burp them and make sure that they're, you know, release the gases that they brought up because they came from so deep. Um, and then they, they are safely released. It's for the Nautilus safety, yeah. So they so it's like know. they get 
whatever that dagger. Well, it's different. They because they're chambered. They're chambered nautilus, so they have all these chambers in their shells. Uh -huh. um, if you've seen them, they look kind of like a snail with pretty stripes on them, and they're they're sort of a, a spiral shaped. Um, but there are, you know, a number of of chambers in those which somehow work there's this whole process of osmosis that happens in this equilibrium and this um shifting of air that goes back and forth and so they're they're they are able to go higher and lower but um but, slowly. but they slowly yeah so they interesting want to do that and That's then super interesting yeah i never it, thought of having to burp my nautilus i know <laughs> <laughs> Not that I knew what a Nautilus was until right now. <laughs> but, but even a seashell, right? To be like, but it, and it's cool. I mean, it's so funny how you know you. Because I didn't know anything about Nautilus either, and yeah. then you, you, you. When you're doing this kind of work, you know, you start learning about things you had that had never been on your radar before, and then all of a sudden you're like, I love this, and, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. love the the scientists that are so dedicated to something they they rarely see, and sure. you know, and it's kind of really off the radar for so many people unless they, you know, find one in a gift shop and want to put it on their shelves. So, right, and probably don't know the backstory. Right. So now they're actually, um, these scientists have gotten together um, with this this boy who started the Save the Nautilus Foundation. I can tell you more about him. Um, but they got together and they got the Nautilus listed on CITES. So, oh. they, yeah, so this is brand That's new. Great. So they're trying to sort of curb the, the trade. Yeah. So tell me about the 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 founder of Save the Save the Nautilus Foundation. Is that right? Yeah, Save the Nautilus Foundation um, was founded by Josiah Utch when he was 11 years old. He read an article about the Nautilus, and it, it was talking about how they're they think they're endangered and kind of giving the whole history. And he just was like, I want to find out more. And so he ended up contacting. Dr. Peter Ward, he did his research and it's like, tell me more about them. And he found out they were, you know, they're pretty much endangered and what was going on with them. And so Josiah wanted to help in some way. Um, and there was no, no organization where he could send money or do something to help. So he said, I will start an organization. So he and his friend got together and um, they started Save the Nautilus. They made the sweetest little website <laughs> and um, they talked to their friends. They got their friends' friends involved. They raised like $10,000 in the first She's year. amazing. Amazing. For 11 year olds. Yes. I mean, it's amazing for 20 or 30 year olds. No, it is <laughs> incredible. I'm like, right. I want him on my board. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Right. Um, and he's just, he's such an articulate little kid. And, and well, now he's not a little kid. He's 18 now. Um, so he came down with us. Uh, wow. He's been working with these guys for, for the past several years now. And, um, and yeah, and now the, the organization is growing and, and he's getting ready to go to college himself. So, but he's still and do as much as he can. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's really neat. That's really neat. And and so was he the one who connected you with this expedition? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, you know, Bozeman's not a huge town, so we knew his his mom and and we're friendly with them, and I and, and knew the family, and then they contacted us and oh, said, "Hey, great. we got this, you know, expedition going down in Fiji. Yeah. You can come and film it." And we're like, "That sounds great." Yeah, <laughs> which is great because it kind of. It got to open your eyes to a whole new world. Absolutely. Which is really fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and then, of course, you get to bring that back and share it mm -hmm. with a lot of people. Um, and so, how long were you down there? We were there. We filmed for 10 days. 10 days. A, a and then after this, what 
is the progression of this particular project? So they, um, you know, they actually found out that it was a different species sooner than they thought they were. They thought they would have to send everything back to the states and put it through the webs, but they ended up working with um, University of South Pacific um, had had the equipment to be able to 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 do the DNA study. So they found out it was a different um, species, and I guess now they're working on. Um, they just want to go deeper and find out more. So they'll, I think they're planning to also go back next year and start doing, finding out, okay, now that they know there's a species there, now it's time to find out like how many are there and, right. and where are they living and you know, what's their territory kind of thing. So they'll be over the next several years going back and doing more and just trying to build up the, you know, how much they can find out about these guys. Yeah. It's amazing. What's the role that this particular species mm -hmm. plays or rather I don't even know like the what's their point yeah why nautilus yeah why, <laughs> why? <laughs> not that I mean I ask myself these same questions but yeah why yeah what do they do in the you know, this is a question I, I asked the scientists myself because yeah. I was like, you know, what what is it? Why should about I care? Right, right, right. And you know, and the short answer is, and you know, you'd be flipping, but why not? This is this right. is part of the ecosystem that has been, you know, on this planet for you know a half a billion years, mm -hmm. and um, and has its place. I mean, it, they they're still trying to find out, you know, what role they play because the the knowledge is so new. They've only had. Um, the technology to be able to even study them until you know that's a recent thing we couldn't go deep before we couldn't find out you know much about them before um, now they have specialized cameras that go down deep and they can see who else is around there so they're just starting to find out what their place is um, what they do know is that they are a really important scavenger they do help clean up <laughs> stuff down there um, and so uh, that's that's one thing they do but they're also you know they're just an incredibly beautiful part of our planet that's yeah. just you know it's 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 uh, something right. that's, that's been there and it's not necessarily our place to say well you're not useful right so. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not terrible but that's where my head goes tell me what use it has <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no I think a lot of it I mean we're human that's sort of what we do right, right? right it's like right. Oh, is this useful to me <laughs> right. it doesn't even have to be useful to me or, but just the right you know the system but you know I would assume if it's mm -hmm. helpful to the system therefore it's helpful yeah to me, but and I'm I'm excited to see what they do find out in the coming years like what is um as far as what that role is that it, it does play in yeah and um you know because it is it is so it's still such a new the science is still so new around it but to that they're doing that no other species does well know. right right <laughs> you don't know and even if they're if they're playing a small role it's obviously mm -hmm. you know something that matters mm -hmm. in some way um so what are you as far as as your you know the, the film that you're working on for this particular for the save the nautilus foundation mm -hmm. what, what are what are your goals as far as you know how you're going to use that piece mm -hmm. well what well, um what we do you know with OMI is to work with the scientists and all the other organizations that might be involved with it. So um, we'll get it out through our networks. We'll, you know, we'll just, we just want to get the general public to sort of go, what? I, Nautilus is more than just a piece of exercise equipment, you know? So actually it's the part of that awareness about it. And, um, and then hopefully, 
you know, getting folks to care enough that they will maybe put pressure on, you know, if they do see them for sale somewhere, maybe they'll be like, okay, that's, you know, not great. Let's contact that company and tell them this is cool. Right. Um, so there is sort of some action there. Um, and then also giving that media back to the scientists to be able to use in their work and to share it with others um, in, uh, you know, other marine scientists who are doing work, not necessarily on Nautilus, but other other species where this may have a connection. So we just want to um, kind of use it to, yes, increase public awareness and education and also help them with any kind of science that they need if they, you know, need that visual um, sure. evidence of what's going on. Sure. And did you find, do, do, are, do you find that working with this particular group or these particular scientists, they were open to having that component? Because a lot of science seems to have that, have a little bit of a closed off component mm -hmm. or, or a misunderstanding of what, of what your role mm -hmm. as a science communicator um, mm -hmm. is. And, and so, so it's sort of two parts, like how was their reception of, of you and then and then how do you overcome that hurdle when you encounter it? Mm -hmm. um, well, the, these particular scientists were really open to it because I think they they also realize like there aren't a lot of folks that um, understand much about what these creatures are. And let's um, so let's get the word out there. So they were very receptive to having us, you know, be there and and tell the story and. And they really understand the value of that communication in reaching the public. And, you know, they said that to me many times, like, you know, we're so glad you're here because, you know, that we don't have time to do this ourselves, but we're glad somebody's out there helping us to do yeah. it. Um, and uh, so that, that's been really good. I mean, certainly, you know, we do come across um, some scientists that, that aren't that open to it and are afraid that it's going to, the science is going to get twisted or misconstrued or, um, and, you know, we take real care with that because, um, you know, we're, we all who work for OMI, we're all, we were all scientists at some point in our lives too. So that's a value that we have as well, um, which I think helps when we're working with other scientists to, to have them know that, that look, we just want to really expand um, the public's understanding and engagement in the science. Like we want people to, to really get it. And, right. Um, we're not just trying to, you know, tell a cool, you know, story and move on. We want, we want people to do something with this. Right, right. And actually give them information that they can utilize mm -hmm. in some way. And, and I, I think I think it's important to grow that sense of awe. Yeah. Um, because that sometimes is missing. I mean, if somebody says, even if somebody said, oh, there's, a, there's you know, the Nautilus is going extinct. Of course, again, to my ignorant head, I immediately am like, Right, right, of course. <laughs> and I and yeah. why is that affecting my life? Uh -huh. And why should I be concerned? So it is. So I think that's a critical role that you know that you play as a as someone who works in science, you know, sort of communication and, and or whatever the term is. Mm -hmm. Is that a term? Storytellers. Storytellers. <laughs> Science so, storytelling because it just does come across better. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's that's a crucial role, and and when you're and when you're coming from again a place like Landlocked Bozeman, mm. it's really hard it's, with an ocean focus. How do you do that from a landlocked place? Yeah, 
question. <laughs> um, well, it's, you know, it, and I get that question a lot, like, you know, what? Successful. And, um, but again, you know, when you look at how the ocean impacts us and how we, how we impact the ocean, no matter where we live, it's pretty profound. I mean, every second breath you take comes from the ocean. So it's like, okay, we're alive because, you know, that big mass of water is, is helping us out here. Um, and then, and, you know, in our actions, what we eat, what we use every day, our plastics, you know, whatever, it all, it all impacts. So we just started this past year to sort of start some initiatives here in Bozeman that, that work with um, kids and some doing some more public education to try to help them understand that connection that they have to the ocean. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh, well, yeah, I eat fish, but that's about as far as it goes. Or right. I like to go to the, you know, on vacation somewhere you know, yeah. on the coast, but not really understanding, like, here's the process and here's what it does. So um, we are trying to do more of that. And it's, and I mean, I think the ocean kind of has sort of a yeah. lure. Well, it should. <laughs> I, mean, I think I, so. Like, it should just biologically speaking. <laughs> It should, um, just given so many things. But it is interesting to me because I, because I do feel like that's an important component of the work that you're doing, and the, and from the place that you're doing it, I do think ha- bridging that gap of of understanding it's it strikes me as 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 sort of crucially important, especially mm-hmm. at, at this point in time because you know there's there's a lot of neglect happening. Sure. And how are you? As an organization and as as an edu- educator, um, ad- trying to address that not just here but elsewhere, we're trying to do it with many different in kind of many different um, programs that we have going on. So uh, one is you know we're, we do things from initiatives that um, involve communities. So um, we've got this one initiative called Plastic Pollution to Community Solution, which we're working with different communities around the world on the plastics problem, which is huge, you know, and there is no one size fits all approach right. to fixing it. So our um, approach is to go in, let's talk about what is affecting this community the most in terms of, of plastics or marine debris, or, and then let's create a campaign with the community based on what they need and what they can achieve mm-hmm. and actually get them involved and engaged. And I think that's the biggest thing is like the, the, trying to engage folks so that they get that connection. Um, here in Bozeman, we did a, you know, a project with middle school kids, mountain mermaids and mermen <laughs> um, last year where we did some ocean literacy, went in, I went in, in and uh, met with them every month. And we talked about, again, that connection between the ocean and the mountain, why the, you know, why it snows as much as it does and why we have that and, you know, and um, to how it affects things that we grow and droughts and just the climate and, and then we did a project um, trying to curb the use of plastic straws in the community. And kids were really super successful with that. And then we do things with um, emerging filmmakers and storytellers pairing uh, with marine scientists to help tell their stories. So um, we're kind of working in different ways. And then we do a lot of science communication work, whether it's you know working directly with um, scientists to teach them how to become better communicators and storytellers and to do interviews, to um, helping them become more media savvy and, and sort mm-hmm. of knowing how, how the media works. You know, when you, when you talk about ocean stuff, I'm always like, what all, all don't I know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I missing? Because 
there's got to be animals that we just have no clue. Oh, yeah. We've only got, what, there's like 7% of it figured out. I mean, there's so much really? more to explore. Yeah. But yeah, there, I mean, and because it's just a place that's so hard right. to, to access. And well, you need terrestrial creatures, too. It's hard to breathe. Yeah, you got that going <laughs> against you. You kind of implode when you get down yeah, there. There's that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so it's actually, it'll be interesting to see, you know, even the next 20 years, just how much more we're going to learn. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think about people like Jacques Cousteau. I mean, was that like a big, was there, you know, an insane amount of stuff that just opened up because of oh. this one single person? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, talk, yes. And he's even Dr. Ward. I mean, he is, Jacques Cousteau is quintessentially, he is the person that, um, you know, did just open, bring the ocean into people's living rooms. Right, I mean, right. we just... And you, we can never have another Jack Cousteau. I mean, there will be other wonderful explorers and and people bringing new, but to, we have never we never saw the ocean like that. We yeah, never yeah, yeah. got to experience that kind of wonder and what was down there, and and you know just that sense of excitement about the what could be and what's possible. And yeah. and um, so I think what he did to ignite that that sense of, you know, excitement about exploration and about just learning more about the ocean was mm-hmm. something I don't think we can ever have that same level again. There's only, you know, the first time. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but we should certainly, of course, we'll still keep. somebody needs somebody else needs to fill those giant shoes. Yeah, <laughs> and we do. We Our have slippers. <laughs> yeah, very big fan. And we did. There's so many great ocean heroes. I mean, you know, you've got Sylvia Earle, and oh, yeah. she's you know another one that's just just yeah. so great. And and because she she also relays that love of what it is to her. To learn more, check out savethenautilus.com and oceanmediainstitute.org. You can find links on the show notes page at rodlandsinc.org slash EOC162. This episode was produced and hosted by myself, Catherine Dunning. Our music is by the Humidors. <laughs> <laughs>